Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of TheRandyReport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. In this week's headlines, new HIV diagnoses in New York City drop to a record low for the second year in a row. Vice President Mike Pence gave a speech for World AIDS Day without mentioning LGBTQ people at all, while offering wildly misleading information. A fireman in Virginia has lost his job because he married his husband. And as George H.W. Bush, the 41st President of the United States, has died at the age of 94, I discuss his legacy on the AIDS epidemic. All that and more on this episode of The Randy Report. According to figures from New York City's Department of Health and Mental Hygiene, new HIV cases have dropped to a record low for the second year running. New diagnoses of HIV infection in New York City reached an all-time low of 2,157 in 2017. That's a decrease of 5.4% from the previous year, according to the New York City Health Department. According to the city's HIV Surveillance Annual Report, the number of new infections has fallen a total of 36% since 2013. And there's other encouraging news. 85% of New Yorkers living with HIV were virally suppressed, up from 79% in 2013. If a person with HIV is virally suppressed for at least six months, Studies show that he or she cannot pass the virus along to sexual partners, helping to keep new infections down. When records began in 2001, there were 5,600 new cases that year in New York City alone. Dr. Dimitri Daskalakis, the Deputy Commissioner for Disease Control, said, We have fewer people diagnosed with HIV this year again a historic low. It really is showing an evolution of what's happening with the epidemic in New York City. The only group in the city that's on increase was the Latino male community. However, a Spanish-language HIV awareness campaign has been launched by the city in a bid to tackle this. Daskalakis credited awareness campaigns about knowing your status and getting tested for the reduction in new infections as well as the increased use of PrEP. In related news, Vice President Mike Pence failed to even mention LGBTQ people in his speech for World AIDS Day this year, despite the community being disproportionately affected by HIV and AIDS since the beginning of the pandemic in the 1980s. Pence's speech was filled with wild inaccuracies as he attempted to credit Donald Trump with bringing, quote, a renewed energy and focus to the HIV AIDS epidemic. That statement alone represents the height of hypocrisy. Celebrating the 15th anniversary of PEPFAR, also known as the President's Emergency Plan for AIDS Relief, Pence told the audience at the event that the President plans on signing a bill soon that will reauthorize the program. Great. But what he didn't mention is that in Trump's own budget proposal, it calls for a 17% reduction in funding for the program. 
in addition to cutting $425 million from the Global Fund to Fight AIDS, Tuberculosis, and Malaria. Hailing the success of the Ryan White HIV-AIDS program, which provides health coverage for low-income people with HIV-AIDS, the vice president failed to tell the crowd that the administration had diverted funds from the program this year to help pay for separating families at the Mexican border. Additionally, Trump has fired the remaining 16 members of the Presidential Advisory Council on HIV-AIDS after six prominent members resigned over his indifference to the issue. And in the nearly two years since Donald Trump took office, no one has been appointed to lead the White House Office on National AIDS Policy. How do you take credit for renewed energy and focus when you haven't even asked someone to lead the charge against the disease. Then there's the deploy or get out policy announced in February this year, which directed the Pentagon to remove any military personnel who are considered undeployable to serve outside of the U.S. for 12 consecutive months for any reason. That would mean the discharge of HIV-positive U.S. military service members who are currently serving the country they love with honor. Now, here are some facts for this year's World AIDS Day. According to the Human Rights Campaign, there are approximately 37 million people around the world living with HIV. One in four do not know their status. In the United States, more than 1.1 million people are living with HIV, and one out of seven don't know their status. The most important thing you can do is to get tested, know your status, and if HIV positive, know your viral load and get treatment. With today's medications, many with the HIV virus can reduce their viral loads to undetectable. And, as the Centers of Disease Control will tell you, undetectable equals untransmittable. Late Friday night, I shared the news that former President George Herbert Walker Bush had passed away at the age of 94. I did so because it was newsworthy. But I do think it's important to note that while many give credit to Bush Sr. in death, he was not a great ally to the LGBTQ community during his time in the White House. Yes, he did sign into law the Hate Crime Statistics Act, which was the first federal bill to put sexual orientation under protection of discrimination. And he did advocate for not discriminating against those who became HIV positive. But when Pat Buchanan gave him a strong challenge in the 1992 presidential campaign, Buchanan was offered a prime slot at the Republican National Convention where he gave his now infamous culture war speech, which declared there was a religious war going on in the country led in part by the, quote, militant homosexual rights movement. Bush refused to denounce the statement. He did, however, denounced same-sex marriage. In 1992, he told the New York Times in no uncertain terms that he opposed same-sex parenting. He said, I can't accept as a normal lifestyle people of the same sex being parents. I'm very sorry. I don't accept that as normal. Even the log cabin Republicans, the largest gay GOP organization at the time, refused to endorse him for re-election. He would later mellow, that's the word he used, on his stance regarding same-sex marriage, saying in 2015, 
Personally, I still believe in traditional marriage, but people should be able to do what they want to do without discrimination. People have a right to be happy. I guess you could say I have mellowed. But none of that erases the lives lost during the 1980s and early 1990s to the AIDS epidemic when his silence was deafening. His administration dragged its feet on the HIV crisis and refused to address prevention to the gay community. At one point, Bush told the press that behavioral change, meaning conversion therapy or ex-gay therapy, was the best way to combat the disease. This weekend, my friend Tom Viola, who leads Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS, an organization that has literally saved countless lives since the late 1980s, shared a statement on Facebook about those years, which read in part, I have to say this as I witness so many I work with and admire give George Bush Sr. a pass on his monstrously cold and negligent response to the thousands of our friends who died horrendous deaths during his thankfully brief four years in office, and most especially today, World AIDS Day 2018. I appreciate that George Bush Sr. could be a lovely man, one-on-one, -on -one, or when you entered his family's private circle, or when engaged socially, or giving him some graceful benefit of the doubt as he aged and had little politically at stake. And God knows, even his then seemingly dim-witted son seemed decent compared to the naked cowardice and evil of the current asshole in the Oval Office today. But I am having a tough time witnessing so many who support all we do now, with his death completely giving the guy a whitewashed pass on the negligent evil of his administration's response to AIDS. The true display of his now lauded personal nice guy, lovely man moral convictions would have been to say, no, we won't allow this. But Bush Sr. did not. He stood firm in negligent homicide. The courage with which he went to world war completely evaded him in the war we were fighting. George Bush Sr. could have taken a true hero's stance and be remembered for it with gratitude forever. He did not. It pisses me off. But like George, I was raised to be nice. So I'll only say this much. Tom ends his statement by saying, instead, I would now ask you to go to the AIDS Memorial website on Instagram and note how many of those remembered died between 1988 and 1992, the years that George Bush Sr. didn't have the will or political or moral courage to make a difference. He dove for cover, letting so many die. Yet still, he wanted to go backstage at Broadway shows and meet the casts, filled with peoples whose hearts were broken, much due to his negligence. Would that he had extended his kindness when it mattered. I agree with Tom Viola 100%. Local newspaper The Virginian Pilot reports that a gay firefighter claims city officials forced him out of his job after learning he was gay and he had married his longtime partner. Scott Phillips Gartner, 55 years old, worked as a member of the Norfolk Fire Rescue for decades, first as a 911 operator and later as an assistant fire marshal and bob squad technician. But after marrying his longtime boyfriend, Phillips Gartner says the department stripped him of his rank and law enforcement powers, relocating him to a temporary facility with, quote, 
little to no job duties. Barry Montgomery, his attorney, says his client retired early this year under threats of being fired. Phillips Gartner is now suing the city of Norfolk for creating a hostile work environment. The suit, which seeks unspecified damages, alleges Phillips Gartner was well regarded until he notified the city's Human Resources Department in 2014 that he had gotten married. The suit also alleges that the city discriminated against him due to his gender and retaliated against him for complaining to the United States Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Battalion Chief Roger Burris verbally attacked Phillips Gardner throughout 2015, the suit alleges, and treated him less favorably than his straight male counterparts. During a staff meeting, Burris repeatedly asked, Where's Mrs. Gardner? According to court papers, Fire Chief Jeffrey F. Wise, who also routinely belittled Phillips Gardner, threatened to fire him in November 2017. Phillips Gartner reluctantly put in for early retirement the following month, which disrupted his whole life, according to his lawyer. The lawyer says the official reason cited for his client's demotion was that he had, quote, illegally obtained a service dog without proper authority. Really? Norfolk implemented policies in 2016 prohibiting city employees, contractors, and volunteers from discriminating against a person based on sexual orientation, and the city council implemented similar protections the next year. Representatives for the city of Norfolk and Norfolk Fire Rescue have declined to comment on the lawsuit. A Polish gay couple has proposed to each other in public more than 100 times and recorded everything on camera. Jacob and David tied the knot last year in Portugal. But in Poland, same-sex marriage is still not legal. Therefore, their marriage is not recognized by law. So the pair decided to challenge the attitude of their fellow Poles when it comes to marriage equality. They took turns proposing to each other in public, asking passers-by to help. One of them asked people nearby to take a picture of the moment he was going to propose to the love of his life. The bystanders obviously had no idea they were being recorded, nor did they know that the love of my life was actually another man. The couple told Gay Star News, We love the idea of checking people's reaction, but we were scared. We brought pepper spray for self-defense and had it in our pockets. A proposal with pepper spray sounds funny, right? But luckily, it wasn't necessary. When the two men got down on one knee in turns, however, they were met generally with positive reactions, which is great, dismantling the idea of Poland being a very, very anti-LGBTQ country. The two then revealed that they were already married, which opened a conversation on whether Poland is ready to grant its gay community the long overdue rights of marriage equality. When they finished recording, a nun approached them, and she had been watching them recording their interactions with people. When they finished, she approached them and said that she admired that they talked to people and let them get to know them, because usually, folks are scared of something they don't know. At the end of the video, David and Jacob have a really cute conversation with what looks to be the Polish version of the Golden Girls. These adorable four ladies told the couple that Civil unions are a good idea. And more, they said that everyone should be tolerant towards all kinds of people.
And finally, they hilariously shut down homophobes, saying that they're just people who have been badly brought up. It's a really cute social experiment, and since it's a video, I can't play it here on a podcast, but I do encourage you to head over to therandyreport.com and check it out. And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy catching up on LGBTQ news in a quick podcast, I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't mind sharing The Randy Report with your friends and let them know. I like to think of this podcast as the 60 minutes of gay news, only shorter. And remember, you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com and instinctmagazine.com, where I cover the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. I'm going to close this episode with a gorgeous new take on the Christmas classic, Oh Holy Night, from out singer-songwriter and Tony Award winner, Levi Christ. The track is featured on Levi's newly released Christmas album, Home for the Holidays. Levi has become famous for his irresistible recipe of music which infuses country, jazz, gospel, and rockabilly for the freshest take on your holiday favorites. His musicianship is effortless. His southern humor will charm you, and his vulnerability will move you. Here is Out Music Award winner Levi Kreis's new version of Oh Holy Night. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of my dear Savior's Love and his gospel.